I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 8 and 9 of Breaking Dawn, titled... Okay, so we're in Jacob's perspective. So she's changed it up on me. She's been doing those one-word titles for Bella, but now she's, I don't know, doing a whole fucking quote for Jacob. So chapter 8 is, waiting for the damn fight to start already. So we're just, you know, we're getting into his headspace there. And chapter 9 is... Sure as hell didn't see that one Carmen. <laughs> I love how his chapter headings are just like him commenting on the action. It's like he's engaging with us, the reader, being like, hey guys, I didn't see this one coming. You strap yourselves in and find out for yourselves what I'm about to tell you in the next chapter. Oh, I didn't see it coming. Ah, oh, Jacob, you lovable scamp. So yet we're in a new book. So last week we finished Bella's first book. We will pick up with Bella later after she's had the demon spawn. So her and Edward were on the honeymoon. She was acting crazy. And Edward was like, what if you got your period or something? And she's like, no, nah, I think I'm pregnant. And then he's like, shit, we got to go home and yank that thing out of you. And she calls Rosalie and she's like, Rosalie, need your help. And because we're starting a new book, we even get a new epigraph. And it's a quote from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it says, and yet to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. Stephanie, stop it. Stop using the words of the bard to try and legitimize your book. Stop acting all smart and like you're actually making proper references. You're trying to get credibility from Shakespeare and it's not gonna work. And then we also get a preface, a preface. It says life sucks and then you die. Yeah, I should be so lucky and that's it. So at least Jacob's brief. I'm enjoying Jacob's brevity. And then finally, after, after that halt in momentum, we get to chapter eight, waiting for the damn fight to start already. <laughs> already. See, she could have just said waiting for the damn fight to start. But he says, waiting for the damn fight to start already, which is just so Jacob. He must be itching for it. And so Jacob, he's at home now. After he came back for the wedding, I guess he decided to stick around and see if Bella comes back from the honeymoon dead or not. So he's just chilling at home. But we've got an odd couple situation He's got to deal with Paul. Now, who's Paul? He's one of the werewolves. What's his backstory? Unclear. I, I haven't really quite tracked every single member of the pack. I know your Quills. I know your Leas. I know your Seths. That's enough. So anyway, this character called Paul, he's sitting on the couch and he's munching on some Doritos. And you know, 
it is annoying hearing people munch and crunch. I'm sort of on Jacob's side here. I'd be, I'd be getting pretty freaking furious as well if someone's just on my couch munching my Doritos. Because Jacob says, hold on a tick. You better have brought those Doritos with you. <laughs> you better have supplied those Doritos for sitting on the couch. And he goes, nope, crunch. And so like, okay, that's, that's triggering me. He says, your sister said to go ahead and help myself. So here I am. And Jacob's like, oh, I want to punch this motherfucker. He's eaten my Doritos. And he's like, well, Rachel's not here right now. Meaning like, I'm going to punch you because Rachel's not around. And so this Paul lad, he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And so he gets the Doritos and he raises them up and he like smashes them with his other hand. So it's all just Dorito dust everywhere. He's just ruined the Doritos. I guess that was a power move. I'm not quite tracking how it's a power move. Like you just ruined the Doritos you were eating. I mean, I thought you were enjoying them, but now you've ruined them to make a point. And so this Paul guy, he's like, bring it, kid. I don't need Rachel to protect me. And he's like, oh yeah. So he punches him. (laughs) He said, I'm all riled up. I'm sick of you eating my Doritos. And Jacob clocks this guy right in the schnoz. And again, I'm on his side. Don't eat my Doritos. And also, so, okay. So basically, Paul has imprinted on Jacob's sister, Rachel, who was visiting from college. She was on a semester break or she's graduated or some bullshit. So Paul's just imprinted. And that means Rachel is automatically into him, I guess. It's very vague on the whole, like, where does the free will come into it for the other person who's been imprinted on? Because it sounds like Rachel's only been back for a few days and yet she's already in love with this Paul Joker. Enough so that he's comfortable in the house when she's not there. I don't get that. You don't live here, Paul. Go watch TV on your own couch. Rachel's not even here. Why are you hanging out at a house that's not yours? And so Paul, he puts his nose back in place and he's like, oh my God, Jacob, you're such a fucking loser. He's like, I'd rather hang out with Leah. And of course, that's the biggest insult that anyone could ever say because everyone in La Push hates Leah. Everyone in the pack in particular hates Leah. And Jacob's like, ouch, like, wow. And then he's also like, I bet Leah's not going to be happy hearing you make fun of her because they're going to share a mental connection as soon as they turn into wolves. So Leah hears the shit that they're shit talking about her. It's a whole big thing. Anyway, this Joker Paul, he just goes back to watching the TV and Jacob starts complaining about the imprinting. He's like, wow, that's four out of the 10 of the pack now that have imprinted. And he's like, I thought it was meant to be rare. So that's just, again, Stephanie Meyer acknowledging the plot hole that she's created for herself rather than trying to fill it. She just says, I'll just name it and it'll go away. So we're just acknowledging that imprinting's meant to be rare and yet it's happening to all of them. And we're just going to move on from that. And he does say when he heard that Rachel was coming back to visit, his biggest worry was that it would be hard to keep the secret around her. And I'm thinking, why? Why Why would you keep the secret from Rachel? How would you keep the secret from Rachel? You're a space heater. You're, You're a million degrees. You're jacked. You're walking around in little jorts. I'm pretty sure Rachel's aware of the heritage as well. Like loop her in on it. Does it have to just be like just for the boys? Only the boys get the fun of the mythology, except for Leah. And that's the thing, like Leah turned, Leah phased into a wolf. So maybe it will happen to Rachel too. Maybe if you wanted to keep it a secret from Rachel, you wouldn't be inviting her back into Forks where there's vampires around. Oh, it's a whole big thing. And then he mentions that Embry and Colin, I mean, who the fuck's Colin? Embry and Colin, their parents don't know that they're werewolves. What? How do you hide that part of yourself? 
He says Embry's mum thought he was going through some kind of rebellious stage. So their relationship's fracturing. Embry keeps getting grounded, but then he keeps escaping every night. So they're constantly fighting, but apparently Embry doesn't mind. He says the secret was too important. What secret? It's not important at all. I get that, like, for the vampires, it's important to keep that secret because then the Volturi come and, like, kill you. But who's going who's gonna to kill you? Like, you're, you're, uh, it doesn't matter. It seems like it's an unnecessary complication. Like, you can fill your parents in. Like, there's no legacy of it being a secret. When I think the pack existed before, in all the other flashbacks we've gotten, it was just like, it was common. Like, the pack protects the tribe. Everyone knows. Oh, but there was that thing where Sam told them that they couldn't tell people and that's why he couldn't tell Bella. But then he pretty much gave her clues and she found out anyway. So it really wasn't that much of a binding pact. I, who gives a toss? Okay, so long story short, Paul imprinted on Rachel. Now he's going to have to put up with Paul around the house. And Rachel's also not racing back to uni because she's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of loving being imprinted upon, I guess. He even says... I got Paul as a brother-in-law someday. Like what? Has there been a proposal? Does Rachel know that she's about to get married to Paul? Not even, not even a little snippet, not even a one line, a throwaway line explaining that Rachel had always had a crush on him or some bullshit. But no, Rachel just is assumed to be immediately besotted because someone's interested in her. And it's like, well, that makes me feel bad for Rachel. Has she just been going through her university career with no one ever being interested in her so that she just falls in love with the first person who shows an interest? Okay, so Jacob's upset and he thinks, I wondered, would a bullet through my temple actually kill me or just leave a really big mess for me to clean up? Ooh, okay, so Jacob's POV is dark. So Jacob goes to his room, he lies on his bed. He's just thinking about whether or not Bella's dead yet. He's really preoccupied with Bella's health and safety. He doesn't know if they're gonna kill her over in Brazil or wherever they are. He doesn't know if they're gonna stage like a plane crash, if they're gonna burn down the Collins' house and leave like eight dead bodies in the house, like eight human dead bodies as a decoy. He doesn't know what they're gonna do. He even says, maybe he'd smashed her like a bag of chips in his drive to get some. (laughs) And yeah, that's exactly what happened, Jacob. You're spot on there. Edward smashed Bella like a bag of chips. So then for some reason, Jacob just like sits by the windowsill and it says, Even though he's only got human ears right now, they're still really strong. And then he's like describing how he's hearing everything from all all around the bush. It's the weirdest little scene. He's like, no, I can't hear as well when I'm not a wolf, but um, I can hear the sound of a cash register printing out a receipt down the street. I can hear mums complaining about wet clothes down at the beach. So it sounds like you can hear quite fine with your human ears, Jacob. And then he's like, I'm sick of hearing Paul laughing at the TV. So he leaves the house. He's like, I got to go for a walk, get away from Paul. And so he goes down to the beach and he runs into, oh boy. Okay. He runs into Quill babysitting this like two-year-old girl. Okay. That's the baby that he imprinted on, remember? So Quill imprinted on a baby. And we're not meant to be disturbed by this. Stephanie's like, oh. It, it doesn't really mean anything. When, when she becomes an adult, yes, they will have a sexual relationship. But for the moment, he's just grooming her and putting her on lay-by and we shouldn't be disturbed by that. And what are the parents thinking? They're just letting Quill babysit their daughter? They're letting Quill have one-on-one time with this kid, Claire. Like, I don't uh, think so. Not in my house, not under my roof. I'd say, get out. 
And the way Stephanie writes this scene, this dialogue, it's so off-putting because Claire's talking in baby voice, like not on purpose, that's just how she speaks because she's a child, but she's like, Quill, Quill, get me a walk. Like, yeah. And she's like, Claire wants to play with Quill all day. And like her R's are W's and her L's are W's. It's really annoying to read. And so Quill says, oh, Jacob, you missed the princess party that we had. She had a birthday the other day. And she made me wear like a princess tiara. It was hilarious, but Emily's got some pictures. I think I looked pretty hot. And Jacob's like, yeah, that sounds like a fucking hoot. And Quill says, well, you know, Claire had a great time and that's the point. And Jacob's rolling his eyes. He's like, oh my God, imprinted people are so whipped. He says it was hard being around imprinted people, no matter what stage they were in, about to tie the knot like Sam or just a much abused nanny like Quill the peace and certainty they always radiated was downright puke inducing. Oh, okay. So that's what's puke inducing. Not, uh, the fact that she is a two or three year old. Uh, not that he imprinted on a literal baby. That's not puke inducing, but the fact that he's happy is okay. Jacob says he'd seen Quill play peekaboo for an hour straight without getting bored. What's Quill thinking in this moment? Is Quill acknowledging that he's going to want to get down and do the business and smash her like a bag of chips eventually. Like, or is he just thinking, wow, what a cute kid. Like what, what is he thinking? Is he visualizing a future with this, with this child? I just think it's a bit fucking rich of Stephanie to come up with a mythology or well, more accurately, I guess, to rip off and degrade an existing indigenous tribes, culture and traditions and heritage. (laughs) So I mean, where does she get off making it so that the wolves, well, sorry, that the boys slash Leah transform once they hit puberty it's all built into the mythology that once they come of age then they become werewolves yet for imprinting it's like oh you can imprint on a baby (laughs) yeah oh yeah you can imprint on a baby we don't need to wait till the baby grows up and and becomes an adult no 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 that's only for the wolves that we care about puberty that's only for wolves for who they bang doesn't matter and jacob's envious of quill for having imprinted and like being sure of who he's going to end up with. Uh, he says, though, I did think it sucked that he had a good 14 years of monkitude, eh, what monkitude ahead of him until Claire was his age. For Quill, at least, it was a good thing werewolves didn't get older. What? But even all that time didn't seem to bother him much. Okay, so he's saying it's a good thing that he's not aging at the same rate as Claire so that she'll eventually catch up with him. And so he's just got to wait like 14 years until they're the same age. Even though that's really not how age works. I mean, I get that he might be in the body of a 17 year old for longer than he should be, but like, he's still going to be like a 40 year old man dating like a 17 year old girl. Like uh, that's still creepy. And the fact that they're just assuming that Claire will want to date him. Like I've never met anyone who wants to date their babysitter. It's really bizarre. It's really gross. And Jacob's jealous. I do not comprehend. And Jacob even says, you know, Quill, I don't know if you um, have ever thought about dating or like dating other girls in the meantime. He says, I bet she'd understand when she's a grown up, she wouldn't get mad that you had a life while she was in diapers. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't want to do that. He's like, I'm in a monogamous relationship with this baby. He says, I can't see that happening. I just don't see anyone that way. I don't notice girls anymore, you know? I don't see their faces. 
And so it's like, okay, so it must be sexual. Like if you're not even noticing other people, other girls, you must be assuming that one day you're going to bang this kid. Like there must be an attraction thing playing into this. It can't just be about, I don't know, wanting to do anything to help that kid survive. Like, I don't, But Jacob, he takes that as an opportunity to make a gay joke. And he says, well, put that, you not noticing girls, put that together with the tiara and the makeup. And maybe Claire will have a different kind of competition to worry about. And then Quill's like, ha ha ha. And he makes like fake kissing faces and kissing noises to Jacob. Cause it's like, oh my God, gay people exist. Hilarious. How far fetched that he would ever find a boy attractive. He'll fall in love with a baby. He'll want to get married to a baby. He'll wait 16 years of his life for a baby to grow up. But oh, to date a boy, ugh, gross. I don't, I'm not enjoying Jacob's POV. We're fighting people over Doritos. We're normalizing grooming a child. We're making gay jokes. I'm not feeling that comfortable in Jacob's POV. I miss Bella. Who would have thought, but I miss Bella. And so Quill, he flips it on Jacob and he's like, you ever think about dating? And Jacob's like, nah, just like you Quill, I don't see their faces. It's like, okay. And then they hear a a wolf howling in the distance. So they're like, oh, that's, that's the call. And so Jacob phases into a wolf to go and meet up with the pack. The pack are having a meeting. Quill will join them, but he's got to drop off the little baby to get babysat by someone else. Like, oh my God. And then Jacob's starting to communicate in wolf form with everybody. They're all just touching base on how they're traveling to get to this meeting. He's also thinking at the same time how he really wanted to kill the Cullens the other day. And they're all like, we hear your thoughts and, and no, don't kill the Cullens. And it's unclear to what level Jacob's narration is being heard by the other people in the pack because of their telepathic communication. Because he says that he's racing Leah to get to the meeting point. He says, I sped up wanting to be there and I heard Leah move faster too. She hated being outrun. Being the fastest was the only edge she claimed. Now, for me, that's just him revealing something to us, the reader, right? That's not, I'm not really assuming that those are thoughts going through his head right now in those exact words. But then Leah, she's responding as if she's read his thoughts and she goes, claim this moron. So he's telling us she claimed to be fast and she's saying, claim this. So she did hear it. So she's hearing all of this narration. Does Jacob just think in in terms of narrative exposition? I don't know. It's very confusing. Anyway, so they're meeting because Charlie had called around until he spoke to Paul at Billy's house slash Jacob's house. And Charlie's all in a tiz because Edward and Bella got home last week from their honeymoon and they're saying that she's caught some, (laughs) they're saying that she's caught some weird South American disease and she's in quarantine and they won't let Charlie see her and Charlie's getting really worried. And that's closer to the truth than they realize. Like they think that they might be lying. Well, Jacob thinks, well, that's bullshit. She's been killed. She's been turned into a vampire. The treaty's broken. We can then now go and attack. When in actual fact, I mean, she caught something. She, she, she caught something in Brazil. Let's just say that. And the other wolves are sort of thinking, well, <sighs> does it really matter? They're thinking, yeah, we know there's a treaty. We've been talking for three books about this treaty, but it's kind of Bella's choice. So it's interesting that they care about free will when it comes to Bella wanting to be a vampire, but they don't care about free will when it's who they imprint on. And Jacob's like, well, I don't really care. The treaty doesn't specify that a victim's preference should come into play. And they're all thinking, well, she's not really a victim. She, she really did sign up for it. She married into it. 
And Seth's thinking, oh, Jake, they're not our enemies because, you know, Seth loves Edward for some reason. He's got a crush on him. And Jacob's like, shut up, Seth. Shut up, kid. Just because you've got some kind of sick hero worship going on with that bloodsucker, it doesn't change the law. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, Jacob, it's just a little treaty. It's not the law. And then I was like, oh wait, no, it is illegal to kill people. I forgot about that. (laughs) The laws of the human world still apply somehow. Isn't that crazy? But Sam's like, actually, we don't think we care. We don't think we care. Sam says, Jacob, I've had time to think about what's best for the pack. And times have changed since our ancestors made that treaty. I don't honestly believe that the Cullens are a danger to us. And it's like, what do you mean by us? Are you referring to the tribe? Are you referring to Lapush? Are you referring to humans? Like, I get that they're not really a danger because they're vegetarians. But since them occupying forks, like they have inspired 10 of you to become werewolves, they've attracted the attention of other killer vampires who have come to the area and hunted. Like Victoria killed how many hikers just a couple of months ago? Like a lot of hikers. And they're like, no, the Cullens aren't a danger to us. And also the Volturi are coming. (laughs) So a lot of vicious vampires, newborn and ancient, are descending on forks or have been descending on forks. And they're like, oh, the Cullens are harmless. And it's like, well, they're magnets for a lot of danger to the human species. So maybe think about that, Sam. Like I'm, I'm on Jacob's side here. And Jacob's been really stubborn and annoying. As much as I'm on his side, he's freaking annoying. And he's like, well, I'm still going to abide by the treaty. And they're all like, well, people might die in the process. Like they, some of the Cullens could die. Some of us could die. And Jacob's like, it is what it is. And Sam uses that voice of the alpha to overrule Jacob. Jacob's pissed. And Jacob's like, fine, I'm going. I'm storming off. I don't know why I stuck around this long. And they're all like, oh no, stop, please. Like they're trying to convince him not to run away again, but I don't think anyone's heart's in it. Sam's like, oh, we don't want you to leave. Please don't. And Jacob's like, well, force me to stay then. And Sam's like, nah, it's okay. (laughs) And so Jacob phases back into a human. He unties the pants that were rolled around his ankle. You know, Stephanie came up with this system. Being like, oh, if they phase in their clothes, their clothes will get ruined. But if they phase with their shorts rolled up and attached to a hair tie that's put around their ankle, it'll be protected. Even though then that ankle's transforming into a wolf ankle. Like, <sighs> and then they're running around a forest, running around a forest. And that, that hair tie with the jorts attached to it is still, still perfectly fine. No branches are ripping at the jorts. <laughs> She thinks it's a foolproof plan. And so they all do that. So he puts his shorts back on. He goes back to the house. He gets his motorbike and he's like, fuck him. He's found a loophole. He says, Sam said that the pack would not attack the Cullens, but I'm an individual acting alone. I'm not the pack. So there's a loophole. And you know what? No, you're a member of the pack. I don't think that loophole is as loopy as you think it is. He says the pack wasn't attacking anyone today, but I was. And that's the end of the chapter. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then we go to chapter nine, which is, sure as hell didn't say that one, Carmen. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to say goodbye to my dad. Um, but then he runs into his dad and he's like, oh, okay, Billy, they have a little bit of banter. I think Jacob's assuming that he's going to go and kill Edward and be killed in the process. So it's sort of a kamikaze mission for him. So he speaks to Billy. They make a joke about how Paul's eating them out of house and home, but it's nice to have Rachel around, blah, blah, blah. So they've got to put up with Paul. Do we really care about Paul? I don't even care about Rachel. Although it did make me remember. (laughs) Was it in Twilight? where Billy was like, Charlie, I've got to show you this photo of Rachel. And so like he made Jacob go to the boot and get out like a a photo, like a Polaroid. And then they went into Charlie's house to show him the photo of Rachel. Remember that? I have a vague memory of that. That was crazy. And so after that banter about Paul and Rachel, Billy's like, so Jake, what happened? Like what's going on with Sam and all that? And he says, ah, nothing happened. Sam's giving them a bye. I guess we're all just a bunch of leech lovers now. And Jacob's like, well, I'm off. And Billy's like, wait, what? <laughs> Billy's like, come on, just, just stay. And he's like, nah, nah, Rachel could have my room. I know she's sick of sleeping on the air mattress, blah, blah, blah. He says, I'll come back for Sam's wedding and then Rachel's and then maybe Jared and Kim. Everyone who's imprinted, I'll just come back for their wedding. So I'll see you then. And Billy's like, Jacob, it's not worth it. Ja- Billy's not an idiot. He knows what Jacob's about to do. He says, leave Bella and the Cullens be. Sam is right. And Jacob goes, mm, nah. And he says, bye dad. And he hops on the motorcycle and he starts driving off. And he thinks that that'll give him a head start that the other pack members don't know what he's about to do. 
because he's in human form, so they can't tell. Okay, whatever. And so he's driving to Forks, really trying to come up with a plan of how he can at least kill Edward. He's thinking like, oh, they'll hear me come and they'll smell me come and I won't be able to surprise them. Edward will hear my thoughts. So I really, I really can't surprise him. So maybe I'll just challenge him to a duel. (laughs) He says the parasite would probably get a kick out of the theatrics of it. And you know what? Maybe he would. I don't know. I can't believe his plan is just to go up to the Cullens' house and be like, I challenge thee to a duel and like slap a glove in his face or something. (laughs) Like, who do you think you are, Aaron Burr? So he gets to the house, he leaps up onto the porch and the door opens and there's Carlisle and he's like, oh, hi, Jacob. How you doing? Just super calm. And he says, I heard Bella made it back alive. And Carlisle's like, Jacob, it's not the best time, buddy. It's not the best time. How about you come back a little later? And Jacob's like, no, (laughs) what? Like, no. And then Bella makes a voice and she says, why not? Are we keeping secrets from Jacob too? What's the point? So she's speaking from inside. He can't see her yet. And he's like, that doesn't sound like Bella. She sounds like shit. She sounds croaky, but she doesn't sound like a newborn vampire. So that's something. And so she says, come in, please, Jacob. And Jacob's like, okay. So he just walks around Carlisle, lets himself in. And all of the vampires were there. He doesn't know all their names or he pretends like he doesn't. He calls Rosalie like Blondie. And it's like, I know you know her name because he half calls her Blondie, half calls her Rosalie. And it's like, just admit that you learn their names. And so he's assessing the room. They're all crowded around this white couch, which I'm guessing Bella's on. And then his jaw drops to the floor when he sees Edward because of the expression on his face. (laughs) Okay. I'd be more shocked at seeing Bella. Maybe he hasn't clocked Bella yet, but he's clocked Edward's depressed face. And he's like, wow, he looks so depressed. His eyes were half crazed. I've seen him angry before, but this is beyond agony. His hand to a rigid claws at his side. He's really affected by Edward's look. His jaw is on the floor at how flustered Edward looks. And then he sees Bella, who also looks like shit. You'd think he would have clocked her immediately, but no. She's in a loose fetal position near the sofa. Her arms are wrapped around her knees. And he says for a long second. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I hate that. A second's a second. It's not long. It's not short. It's a second. But for a long second, he could see nothing except that she was still the Bella that he loved. Her skin still a soft, pale peach. What? Since when has her skin been peach? She's been described as pale like 35 billion times, but she's never once been described as having a peach complexion. But no, he's like, oh my God, I love Bella. And then he's like, wait a minute. She looks like crap. I can see deep, dark circles under her eyes. Is, is she thinner? Her skin seems tight, like her cheekbones might break through it. She looks sweaty. She looks sick. And then he's like, wow, maybe she is in quarantine. And then he says that blonde bloodsucker, the showy one, Rosalie, her name might be. And it's like, yeah, it's Rosalie. She's bent over protecting Bella. She's bent over her protecting her. And he's like, that's weird. Because again, Jacob knows everything. He's like, Bella doesn't like Rosalie. Rosalie doesn't like Bella. He knows all the dynamics, pretends like he doesn't know their names, but he's like, "Mm, Rosalie doesn't like Bella. And Bella's afraid of Rosalie, something's up. And it's like, oh really, something's up? He's like, nothing makes sense. And so Jacob walks towards Bella, Rosalie hisses, and she says, Rose, don't, it's fine. She's now calling her Rose. They have started getting along since we last 
saw them a couple of days ago. And then he says, Blondie moved out of my way, though I could tell she hated to do it. You know her name. And so Jacob's like, Bella, what the hell's going on? Are you all right? And she just ignores that because she's like, I'm obviously not all right, bud. And he's like, what is it, Bella? What is it? And then Bella's like, all right, help me up, Rose. So Rose helps lift her up. And then he clocks the demon spawn baby bump. He can see little baby rectum poking through her abdomen. He says, Bella's body was swollen, her torso ballooning out in a strange, sick way. It's strained against the faded gray sweatshirt. (laughs) Okay, she's always wearing sweats. (laughs) Even when she's having a horrible pregnancy, a little demon rendezvous trying to bust out of her gut, she's still wearing sweats. (laughs) And Jacob's like, this is weird. I saw it, but I can't believe it. I'd just seen her a month ago. There was no way she could be pregnant. Well, not that pregnant, except she was. And so, okay, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. So he's just realized that she's pregnant and like really heavily pregnant. So you'd think he'd have a million questions. How's this possible? Is it killing her? Did Edward really have sperm dangling on the tip of his dick all this time? Is she going to survive? Is the baby a vampire? Is it, is it not a vampire? Will it drink blood or will it eat cruskets? Like what, what's going on? Except no, the first thing he thinks about is I didn't want to imagine him inside her. So he's, So he's fixated on the fact that they had sex. Rather than all the other complications of the pregnancy, it's the fact that Edward was inside her, like yuck. That's his biggest worry. He says, I didn't want to know that something I hated so much had taken root in the body I loved. Taken root? Oh my God. And so he wants to throw up just from the fact that they had sex. (laughs) And then he's thinking, oh my God, actually. This is bad. She looks so pregnant, so sick, because whatever was inside her was taking her life to feed its own. Because it was a monster, just like its father, I always knew he would kill her. And yeah, he's nailed it in one. I mean, we all know it works out for the best in the end, blah, blah, blah. But really, that little baby is killing her. And it is a monster, just like Edward. And Edward's actions have doomed Bella. Like, like that's the reality that we're living in in this moment. And Edward hears Jacob thinking that because again, Jacob thinks in narration, everything Jacob's narrating is what he's thinking as his stream of consciousness. So Edward hears that and his head sort of snaps up and like, you clocked it. And he goes outside Jacob and Jacob's like, oh, fuck yeah, we're going to finally fight. We're going to fight. And so they go outside and he's like, let's do this. Let's do this. But really Edward just wants to chat. And Emma and Jasper, they pop up next to Edward to sort of defend Edward. And then he says, for the tiniest part of a second, my eyes touched on the two standing in the back of the room, Esme and Alice. So he knows all the names. He says, small and distractingly feminine. What? What? How are they distractingly feminine? Jacob's sexist. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. He says, well, I was sure the others would kill me before I had to do anything about them. I didn't want to kill girls, even vampire girls. Like, oh, okay. Okay, big, big man. Big man in town protecting the vampire girls. He hates vampires so much. They're his sworn enemy. He calls them parasites and leeches. He despises them. He's built to kill them. And he's like, oh, I don't want to kill vampire girls. That would be like so ungentlemanly. I think he thinks he's not being sexist, but that's sexist. True equality is killing female vampires. 
it's actually really condescending to just assume that he could kill them as well. I just can't imagine that's his stance. I didn't want to kill girls, even vampire girls. Okay, so what, you're just going to let Leah kill them? That doesn't really seem fair to Leah to have to do all the heavy lifting to kill every female vampire you come across. And then he does say, though, I might make an exception for the blonde. He's like, oh, I will kill the blonde. He's like, I don't want to kill girls, even vampire girls, unless they're blonde. And Bella's like, guys, stop it. And Edward's like, no, 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 I'm just going to talk to him, Bella, calm down. Cool your jets. He goes, don't stress, don't strain yourself. We'll be back in a sec. We're just going to have a chat. And Bella's like, okay. Usually she'd fight. So you can tell that the the life is really sapped out of her because she's just like, well, whatever. Whereas if this was old Bella, she'd be like, no, don't. So they're walking out and Jacob's like, oh, this is pretty good. I've separated him from the rest of the pack. So I might be able to kill him. And Edward's like, actually, maybe don't kill me. Like I can still hear your thoughts, remember? And Jacob's like, oh yeah. So then they stop a few hundred yards away from the house. They get a look at each other. And Jacob's still thinking like, wow, Edward looks crap. He looks tortured right now. He says, this was the face a man would have if he were burning at the stake. And that's when Jacob realizes like, oh no, this, re- this thing inside of her is really killing her. And Jacob says, it's killing her, right? She's dying, isn't she? And Edward's like, yeah. <laughs> and Edward's like, you're right. It's my fault. Whoopsie, mea culpa. And Jacob's like, well, okay, so why hasn't Carlisle done anything? He's a doctor, right? Yank it out of her. Push her down some stairs, you know? And he goes, no, she won't let us. And Jacob's like, who the fuck cares what Ella wants? It's actually a really bizarre argument because it sounds like they're pro-choice, but no, really they're pro-Bella not having a choice (laughs) because it sounds like they're taking the the pro-choice stance on abortion, but really they're against Bella having any choice at all. It's Oh, it's quite a tricky one. It's quite a tricky one for us to unpack. So he's like, yeah, let's just, let's just get it out of her. And he says, no, Bella won't let us. And he's like, why do you care what Bella wants? Why does she get a say? And Edward says, look, like you figured it out pretty quickly. You clocked it straight away. Me, not so much. I figured she was nervous and worried about her own life, but no, she was already trying to plan how to protect the little demon spawn. And so she called Rosalie. Apparently he says, I didn't even know what was going on until my family met us at the airport and she ran right into Rosalie's arms. And then he heard what Rosalie was thinking and he was like, oh shit, I've been played. And Jacob's like, no, let's just back up a second. What do you mean she won't let you? (laughs) He's like obsessed on the fact that he's just gonna force an abortion on this girl. He's like, wait, did you ever notice that she's exactly as strong as a normal 110 pound human girl? You guys are vampires. He's like, why don't you just hold her down and knock her out with drugs? And he's like, yeah, I wanted to do that. Carlisle would have done that. But her bodyguards complicated things. And then Jacob's like, oh, that makes sense. That's why Blondie's done the about face on Bella. Blondie used to hate Bella, but now she likes Bella because she wants the baby. And so Jacob just says, okay, we'll just cut Rosalie up. He says, turn her into a jigsaw. Do what you got to do, then put Rosalie back together again. (laughs) Like it's that simple. And Edward's like, well, Emma and Esme are backing her up. So it's really quite tricky. We're at a bit of a standoff. And Jacob says, well, you freaking idiot. You should have left Bella with me. I thought something bad was going to happen. I knew you were going to kill her. And Edward's like, oh, I know. But we never knew something like this would happen. He said, there's never been anything like Bella and I before. How could we know that a human was able to conceive with a child with one of us? And Jacob's like, yeah, because 
a human should get ripped to shred in the process, you mean? And Edward's like, yeah. They're all just making out like Edward has the most restraint out of anyone in the whole entire world. There's not even the possibility that any vampires are out there having sex with humans. Not a possibility. And so Jacob still wants to kill Edward and Edward's like, that's not going to help anything. You have to do something for me. And Jacob's like, what the fuck? Like, no. And he says, Jacob, you know her, you connect to her on a level that I don't understand. You are a part of her and she's a part of you. She won't listen to me. She thinks she's strong enough for this, but she might listen to you. And Jacob's like, that doesn't make sense, dude. He says, I can't tell her anything you haven't told her already. What do you want me to do? Tell her she's stupid. She knows that. Tell her she's going, (laughs) she does know that. Tell her she's going to die. She probably knows that too. She doesn't care. And then Edward says, you can offer her what she wants. And he's like, what? And he says, I don't care about anything but keeping her alive. If it's a child she wants, she can have it. She can have half a dozen babies, anything she wants. She can have puppies if that's what it takes. Wink, wink. So this is crazy. So Edward's pretty much saying he will pimp Jacob out to Bella to knock up Bella so Bella can have as many babies as she wants because he thinks that she's now baby crazy, not acknowledging the fact that she wants to protect the baby that's in her. I think Edward's thinking, if, if I promise to let you knock her up, she'll let us get rid of this baby so that then you will have to have sex with her until she gets knocked up again. Like what, what, what are you thinking, Edward? That's your best plan? Again, Bella doesn't get a say in this. What's with all of these people just assuming that the female partners in relationships don't get a say in who they're having sex with? And Edward's like, please, Jacob, you've got to at least offer. Like you have to make her see reason. She won't listen to me anymore because Rosalie's always there feeding her insanity and encouraging her, protecting her. No, protecting it. Bella's life means nothing to her, which is hilarious. I love that Rosalie's just in it for the baby and for herself. I bet Rosalie's kind of hoping that Bella will die and she gets to have the baby. So funny. And Edward says, she's ready to die to have a child. Maybe she'd accept something less extreme, which is just so stupid. It's never going to happen. And Edward's really trying it. And Jacob's like, no, it's wrong. It's sick. I don't want to borrow Bella for the weekends and then return her Monday morning like a rental movie. That's messed up. And then he goes, but it is tempting. (laughs) Jacob just really wants to get his dick wet and have sex with Bella. He's like, oh, that's terrible. I would never become a gigolo. I would never become like a sperm donor while you're still married to her. That's sick. That's disgusting. But actually it would be kind of fun. And then he has like a little fantasy about it. And poor Edward has to, (laughs) has to witness that in his head. Oh boy. But again, Jacob knows Bella probably more than Edward knows Bella. And he goes, really? You think I'm going to make Bella see sense? Not likely. He says, what universe do you live in? Because yeah, you can't make Bella see sense. She's not a sensible person. If she was a sensible person, she would have run away when Edward was like, you know what I am, say it out loud. Like she would have left at that point in time, but no, she's stuck with the guy. So yeah, I have a feeling she's not gonna see sense. And Jacob's still resisting. And Edward's like, seriously, we've got to do something. I've got to try everything. That thing, it's becoming stronger than she is already. And none of us have any idea what's going to happen. He's like, please help me, Jacob. Help me stop this from happening. Okay. And you think like if this was his plan, if he was that desperate to have a chat to Jacob and get Jacob on board to try and stop this, why did he not send Jacob a text earlier or something? They've been back for a week and Jacob's only here now because Charlie started doing the phone tree 
Like, Edward, why didn't you just call Jacob earlier, you ding dong? And the conversation's just going in circles. Jacob's like, she'll never listen to this. This is really sick. And Edward's like, I know, I know, but I have to try. Please just try. And he says, it won't work. And he goes, just try. And Jacob's like, I can't believe I'm even considering this. Bella's going to punch me. It'll break her hand. It'll be a whole big thing. And Edward says, the moment Bella's heart stops beating, I will be begging for you to kill me. And Jacob's like, well, that would be nice. (laughs) Jacob's like, well, that's a silver lining. Jacob says, okay, all right. On that, on that proviso, we've got a deal. And so they shake hands and Edward agrees. And he says, yep, we have a deal. What? So they have a deal that Jacob's gonna, (laughs) that Jacob's gonna go up to Bella and be like, oh, hey, Bells, um, this is probably a bad idea, but if you want a baby, how about we abort this one? Then I have sex with you periodically until you take pregnant again. Um, And then I can just keep doing that whenever you want a baby. And Edward's happy with it. But if you were to die, then I'm allowed to kill him. At no point in that scenario does Bella get a look in. She gets no say in any of that. Far out, I tell you what, I'm becoming Team Bella again. The power of Jacob's annoying POV is to get me to side with Bella and think she's actually ah, the, the least crazy character. And so that's the end of the chapter. I'll leave it there. How'd you find Jacob's POV? Are you enjoying it? Are you hating it? What do you think of the chapter headings? Please let me know. You can reach out on all of the socials and the website and the links and the blah blahs. Um, You can head over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books to get in on the 50 Shades Freed content. 50 Shades Freed's wrapping up. And I'll talk to you guys next week for more of Jacob. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.